Can we go to that sports here for a second? I had something very crazy just happened live in the Brown O'Haver studios. You may. What happened? Did you? Could you sense the panic? In yeah, here? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When we made eye contact a second ago, it's like I caught you on a phone call you shouldn't be taking. Right. No, 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 no. no. It was. Uh... Sorry. Hour two of the plank show in full swing. Welcome. It was last night. I found a new cut that we're going to use on this show regularly, yes. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Because I think it's absolutely perfect for what this show is all about. And uh, I think it fits maybe right here better than ever, Josh. Here's the plan. The plan has failed. So the plan for this hour <laughs> was to get into uh, – well, it's, and DJ Sanchez is joining us. So we'll, we'll spruce the place up. We'll have it looking nice for DJ by the time she gets in here at 1035. Um, but his hour two is brought to you by Allison Insurance. I got a text from my own number. From your own number? Yeah. I got a text from my own number. And it took me a second because, and by the way, uh, Stephen York, diehard listener to the show, uh, he's become one of my favorite guys to kind of text back and forth with talking softball. He's a diehard fan. Hooked me up with uh, some tickets. He can't make the game tonight or Saturday, I think. So I'm going to give away a pair of OU softball tickets when DJ joins us at 10.30, courtesy uh, – if I'm not allowed to do this, I'm going to yell at me. But courtesy of Steve York, who said, I can't go. I want a diehard Sooner fan to have him. So be listening for that coming up uh, at 10.30 this morning. I think you're good, man. I think you can give, give, okay. give tickets. So I got a text for myself. And I, I guess I don't have my own number saved <laughs> in my phone because it came from the actual, like, one nine one eight nine seven eight. I wouldn't have my number saved. I, I get, It's a free message. Your bill is paid for March. Thanks. Here's a little gift for you. And then a link that you can't click on. <laughs> oh, my God. So I immediately, the phone call you saw was the panic call to the wife, which was, what bill did you just pay, right? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I'm paying all of them right now. It's the first of the month. Yahoo. And so then, obviously, we have this incredible technology at our fingertips, you know, Google.com. And I, let me see, what did I Google in? Just got a text from myself is what I Googled. <laughs> and there is a massive story on TheVerge.com about it. And I guess it's a, it's a Verizon wireless issue. Yeah, see? My own phone number is now. So I guess I'm going to be starting to get spam texted for my own phone number. Whoa, and they literally, this must be a new thing. Yeah, I mean, it is. I kind of, from yesterday. I was really, really nervous because when I Googled it up, I'm like, yeah, this is something from like three years ago and I'm really far behind. I'm going to feel terrible. But as we welcome you into hour two of this sports radio program, um, many customers are getting similar spam from their own phone number. And I guess many of the employees at Verge had experienced it. Even on other carriers, too, though. Oh, really? Uh, it's all about spoofing and technological impersonation. It's apparently very easy for spammers to camouflage as any number they choose. Now, according to this, your account is secure, but... Here's a little gift for you. That's what it says here. I'll show you. I thought, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for those kind of things, right? Oh, I won an award. Right. It's, it's a very prestigious award. 
and yeah, I'll I'll throw it out on Twitter. See if we can't get a little clout from it. Because you know if a lot of people are like, wow, I'm having that problem too. Strength in numbers. I, apparently there's really not – do I block my own number? <laughs> I don't know. that. If you block your own number, will the cell phone still work? Um, unreal. Uh, here, here's – what can you do about it? Well, um, you can always file a complaint with the FCC about this stuff. There is actually a where my own number is being spoofed is an issue that can be reported. But aside from those options, all you can really do is delete the text and wait for the next scam tactic. I was panicked, dude. How am I texting my – it doesn't seem like it should logically happen, right? No, it is a paradox. All right. Well, if you missed hour one of the Plank Show, we hit quite a bit of Baker Mayfield talk. Um, and it was really a full football hour, and this first segment will be as well. DJ Sanchez coming up at the bottom of the hour, and got tons of audio from from coaches from yesterday during the coaches' breakfast. Sixteen more coaches meeting with the media today, but we brought up the whole Billy Bowman topic of conversation from yesterday, and Brent Venables was asked about Billy, I think Eric Bailey, who wrote the article, asked him about Billy Bowman and kind of what he's seen so far from the from the sophomore. Yeah, you know, Billy's a, a guy, I, I get why he was played, played three positions last year as a true freshman, incredibly talented, great instincts, uh, tremendous skill set, um, uh, great toughness, very intelligent, um, can do a lot of things, and we're just trying to get him to be really good at one thing. And sometimes when you do too much too soon, you know, everything's neutralized, all your ability, your instincts, your intelligence. And most of the time, that's that way for freshmen. you got to be that dude, uh, like a generational kind of a person, um, to uh, at any position to, uh, you know, pick up, it, pick up everything right away. And um, I think he was for injury and things of that nature. He's had to, he had to be forced in action at different spots. And uh, so we're really trying to have him focus uh, at safety and uh, put him in position there where uh, he can play in space and use his ability, uh, cover a lot of uh, grass and uh, play man technique, all those types of things. And he's really uh, he's had a really good uh, start. You know, we're third finish through spring ball after today's practice, just like that. And uh, you know, don't have we got eight left and counting. You know, so uh, every every moment matters. Uh, whether it's meeting, it's walkthrough, it's uh, indie, it's uh, you know team separate, it's you know good on good. And uh, Billy, Billy's hungry. I love he's he's got great maturity to him, great focus. He's hard on himself, very demanding. On top of being you know really skilled, so expect uh, you know huge things from him and. And whether you know how you know how he finishes up the spring, going into the summer, going into the next fall, you know his development, which has been going trending, uh, the needle moving in the right direction, will allow us to have some position flexibility with some other guys. So there you go. I love the term position flexibility. It sounds so next level. It looks like Trey Morrison is working out with the backers, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah, just looking at the video there, he's definitely. Big number six, working out with those linebackers. So, interesting. I mean, he was uh, exclusively a defensive back at North Carolina. Now, they moved him around a little bit. I think he played both corner and safety at North Carolina. So, that tells me Brent Vittables 
thinks he's got somebody in Trey Morrison that likes to get get downhill and wrap folks up. I apologize. I, I didn't I didn't do my rest message board sweep. Every so often I'll just scoop on through and uh Do you hit keywords? And, yeah, and and I I didn't know if this was already a major topic of conversation or not, but that that was one that did throw me for a loop this morning. Whenever I was listening to it, it's like, wait, did he just say Trey Morrison <laughs> in the? Or he said Trey. So does that mean that he's got him in his linebacker room? And it looks like that is the case. And Mo, man, speaking of scoop, how about some of the videos that you've seen out there of um, Brent Venables? Working through the, the the practices, helping us. I guess Bob wrote about this too, but I mean, wow, good stuff, man. Lee Benson, I saw his tweet yesterday. That was pretty good. Oh, is that Lee? Sorry, Lee. Morgan Beard as well. Appreciate all the guys that are putting that footage when the practices are taking place every day. Rot day in our show. Billy Bowman, thoughts? Thoughts? <laughs> no. Go ahead. I kind of like the idea of. Locking him into safety, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that term, that phrase, positional flexibility, versatility, whatever phrasing you want to use for it. I think position flexibility is what Venables just said right there. Sometimes I think it's okay to have less of that. To have the structure of, okay, hey, Billy Bowman, you're playing safety. Dial in, lock into playing safety. We're not going to keep experimenting with maybe you're a nickelback, maybe you're a cornerback. You're a safety. For this spring, you're playing safety. And I think in some ways that probably hurt Billy Bowman a little bit last season. I, I, I know that you want as many guys to play as many different positions as possible. Right. And Bill Biedenboe talks about this. Uh, this is obviously flipping to the other side of the football, but – Bill Biedenboe talks about this a lot on the offensive line. We want all five to understand all five, right? So center can play guard and, you know, occasionally. And we saw this with Tyrese Robinson last year where initially he had been a guard and then all of a sudden he's playing, what, right tackle was it last season for Mm -hmm. Oklahoma? Yep. And that makes sense. I get that. But it's also not the worst thing at times either when Billy Bowman – isn't playing nickel this week and then flipping over and now he's a free safety. Okay, well, uh, we've we got to move him over into cornerback now. I like the idea of being dialed into one spot. You know, jack of all trades, master of none. And I think I'm guilty of it, so I'm going to say a we here just to kind of bring everyone into the mix so I don't feel alone. But I think sometimes we feel like it's just an easy move. Oh, we play safety? Go play corner? <laughs> just block a guy down. And, again, I, I go back to just gushing all over Ted and learning things that you learn from from his mind on the broadcast. And he, he brought up one time one little step. He goes, McCutcheon makes one false step, and it ruins your whole uh, leverage. It ruins everything in coverage. And that is a hard thing to get down if you've also been working at – a nickel position, then at a safety position, and everyone gets fired up because you think, oh, best use of his ability, let's go. But, yeah, makes it harder when you're a true freshman trying to swim upstream a little bit. Do you want to deep dive the whole returning punts and kicks? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do it here. It's 10-14 on the plank show. Go a couple seconds, get a little ahead of the chains here 
in the 10 o'clock hour. Get some text messages in the next segment. Go ahead. I wasn't surprised by the quote. I was surprised, I guess, by the honesty of the quote. Other than that, though, I mean, we knew this, right? It's not any breaking news. But I think to hear someone laid out there as he did, then suddenly that becomes, oh, oh, okay. And we're still in the, if you have a chance to poke holes in the previous regime, let's poke holes in the previous regime. And I'll say for me, I did think that was a failure at times of Oklahoma to not be more aggressive in the special teams game. Though, I'll also turn around and in in the same vein defend Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma a little bit here that I get the thinking was let's avoid a big mistake or we love what our offense is doing and let's not risk taking a possession away from those guys. But I like moving forward Oklahoma trying to be special in special teams. And I don't think you can hand select and cherry pick opportunities to be a group that's aggressive in special teams. You're either all in on returning punts, returning kicks, or you're you're not a group that returns punts and kicks. Period. And I think unless you have a dude bearing down on you and it doesn't break the the rules of punt returning or kick returning as far as where you field kicks, I'm all about trying to make something every single time. That's me. You know, and, and again, a Ted philosophy. You get an opportunity, return the damn kick. Make them stop you. It was always, to me, a tap out for Oklahoma. It was. It wasn't a place where they tried to take care of those. And I get it. I'm not, that's not me bagging on Lincoln. It's, that was his philosophy. I saw it work and implode the Raiders this season, where sometimes you watch the kick return, like, oh, let's go. And other times you're like, that idiot just clipped some dude. We're starting at the five. So I completely understand if you say, hey, that, let's, let's, let's go ahead and start at the 25. Our offense will be fine. I get that. But I think you can be explosive in it. And it doesn't have to be Marvin Mims back there returning punts, returning kicks. At a place like Oklahoma, you pride yourself on the idea that you've got enough skill position talent that it doesn't have to be your number one wide receiver or your number one running back out there returning punts and kicks. And in making that decision, Plank, that it's not your number one wide receiver or your number one running back, or say it's a Billy Bowman who maybe winds up into a starting defensive back role in some capacity with Oklahoma, if it's not one of those guys, you can still have someone returning punts and returning kicks that's explosive, that's out there doing it every single week, that isn't necessarily right atop the depth chart. You should have that type of depth, right? I mean, you should feel comfortable in doing that to where the injury concern portion of it, if that was part of the thinking for Oklahoma, that you have a little bit more leeway, a little more comfort in knowing that, okay, well, knock on wood, bad scenario, somebody gets hurt on a kick return situation, it's not our number one running back. It's not our top wide receiver. It's not our starting safety. Mm. I think it's just – I just think it's exciting to see I'm, – I'm, I'm really going over the top on cheesy, corny phrases so far today, so here we go. I'm excited to see the buy-in. If that, I mean, there, even listening to Stutzman, which we'll play next, there's a buy-in there, and there should be, right? There's some cred that comes 
with Brenton Venables and what he's bringing to Oklahoma defensively. So there's some dudes that are – and that fires me up. The last thing I would say on special teams is this. The hand-selecting, the picking spots, when we're going to be aggressive, returning, this and that. To me, and, and I'm not saying this as somebody that was on the you know on a college football team in a locker room. I'm just speaking from me from the outside, sort of my perception of it. It would seem like it's really tough to then sell to a group, hey, special teams is an equally important phase as offense and defense when you're not aggressively – attacking in that phase of the football game that's just me again not speaking from that experience I'm just saying I think it would be human nature for guys to dial it out a little bit sure right and you get 100% effort there again goes back to buy-in they buy in that if he says we need to be more aggressive here they know they can make and they've shown they've seen in their careers like like Bowman being an explosive special teams guy they know they can be a part of changing a game period did they say is is Brandon? Oh, I, they're all splitting a lot of the special team stuff, right? I like. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. But I didn't know if he had given someone the title special teams. No. So they're all kind of taking care of that, and that's going to be, I think, a big thing for head coach too. I think it'll be all about it. Um. All right. Quick break. Oh, and, and isn't there kind of the the theory that one of the Quality control guys, that's kind of going to be his responsibility as well. Which, hey, love it. Yeah. I mean, that's why you've got a lot of different voices on this staff that aren't necessarily on-field guys on Saturdays. All right, quick break. So, little Stutzman, DJ Sanchez coming up. Top five stories of the day. We'll hear from Kevin Stefanski on a busy Tuesday. I'm sorry. (laughs) First of all, 10 o'clock hour. As typical, gets away from us a little bit. DJ Sanchez, though, here to spruce the place up for us. Make us sound good at 1035 this morning. But honestly, we're trying this whole. The Trey Morrison saga. The Trey Morrison saga. I I would like to apologize to, well, one person I'm definitely in an in-depth conversation. Yeah, okay. Can't be that Nickelbacks are on a completely different field. So, Based on what I'm seeing and what we heard from Venables yesterday. Thanks, Eddie. At least throughout the spring, it looks like Morrison is working with the linebackers, which, hey, you know, I'm going to trust Venables on this deal. yes. (laughs) You know? I mean, if he saw the possibility for Morrison maybe to convert into linebacker here for Oklahoma, or at least to just tinker around with it, right? Right, I mean, that's kind of what the spring is for. Right. A little bit is to – you know, here I'm saying let's lock Billy Bowman into one position, and I, I, I do agree with that. But for other guys, and especially older guys, you maybe think about, okay, well, here we go. He's been both a safety and a corner and has been successful doing that. What about linebacker? Would that work for a Trey Morrison? And you kind of tinker around with it in the spring. And then you realize God, maybe he's fast enough, he's a little bit more physical than we thought. It's a great mystery that um, – I'm at least trying to t- – Teddy could probably solve the whole thing with one text, but we'll see. Yeah, you guys are bozos. It's not going on. I, I don't know if I texted the right Ted line uh, to get in touch with him. I saw Teddy Lehman from Wish 
you ever use that? They make fun of how everything you buy on Wish is supposed to look like it, but it just doesn't. <laughs> I saw the 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 on the Wish version of Ted yesterday at Walgreens. I almost took a picture of the guy, but he probably would have thought I was crazy. Yeah, no, I I don't know. It's a great question, but it doesn't really matter now because you you have faith in Brent Venables putting them in the right spot. What do you say? They're on the bus now. They just got to get them on the right seat. I will have more from BV coming up. I got the Stutzman cut. We got DJ to get back into softball. Air Comfort Solutions text line has been pretty good today. Pretty good. Pretty good today. I know you've been hesitant to pop it up because you know I'm going to end up getting in a fight, and I appreciate that. But uh, let's get Benny in here. He's been patient enough hanging out with us. What's up, Benny? How are you today? Hey, Chris. Good morning. Hey, I just want to give you a great compliment listening to DJ and Destiny and Aaron. I mean, uh, it was really amazing the way DJ was explaining the Baylor pitcher Sunday. Oh, it was she just was amazing great. the way the way she pitched. I thought, man, this just gives you a different uh, different thought uh, on the game. My comment is, uh, you know, that game could have very easily gone into the eighth inning. Yeah. Santa don't bobble the ball. West flies out. That's the third out. Strange makes the catch and the foul ball. It would have been zero zero going into the eighth inning. If that if Jenna don't make the error and Strange don't run over the ball, you know, in left field. Gosh, that's then, a great point. And McKenzie gets the base hit and Donahue gets it and then three one pitch and what I enjoyed about DJ on that was when Terry came up, Tierra came up, I think maybe in the sixth inning the bases were loaded. She swung at the first pitch and fouled out to the catcher. That next time she was up she was looking at pitcher and it came to three and one, and there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought that was really amazing the way DJ explained everything and that the way that Baylor pitcher was throwing. She came up with another pitch, um, and maybe she just didn't have the yeah. confidence to use it, but finally decided, you know what, these these girls have hit me like crazy. I'm I'm going to try this, and let's see if it works. And by God, it worked. It I, worked, yeah. I, I learned a lot this weekend. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the great things about having such an incredible group of former players that stay around, mm-hmm. and DJ and Aaron and, and Destiny and Savannah Long was awesome when she had time to do it with us. And, gosh, Tori Nershaw, I could go up and down the list, and, yeah, and Nicole yeah. Mendez this year. Is you always, I feel like every game my goal is to learn something, and I feel like I learn well, something every game from them. That's the way with me. And oh, and the other thing, when uh, I think when Wilson got on, well, the ninth hitter made an out. Wilson got on again. Mm-hmm. And when the, the second batter might have been strange, I'm not sure, bunted the ball, mm-hmm. and Jenna bobbles it. Now, wouldn't she get a, a sacrifice as well as an E5 because the runner goes from second, third on the throwing error? You know what? Uh, that's a great question, Benny. I will ask about it tonight. Thanks for the yeah, phone call, know, buddy. I appreciate hey, it. Hey, I appreciate it. And oh, and I think I think I have to give a compliment to to Josh. I called. He said the game starts at six, but I read my telephone line over. I, I read the newspaper over telephone right. line. I get to hear it. And it said the game was at seven. What? And I thought, wow. <laughs> yeah, he got me on the right path. There, I'll be got my. I'll have my one oh seven point seven fired up. There you go, buddy. Thanks. Chris, I appreciate you did it. An excellent job. I really appreciate it. You really bring a lot to the game. Thanks, buddy. Thank- Means a lot, Benny. But I think AM fifteen sixty tonight. By the way, this is our last non-networked game tonight. So then it's showtime. Then so starting on Friday, every single game the rest of the season will be made available to all of our affiliates. Is my understanding, which is really awesome, and it's as early as we've done it. 
which continues to speak to the growth of softball, uh, and I'm here for it. So I don't know if we're going to be able to expand to 30 minutes now for the pregame show, but I've got an idea. An idea that's going to cause me a lot more work, people, but an idea that might be kind of cool to do on a series. Yeah, that 15 minutes getting stretched to 30, it's a different ballgame pregame-wise, isn't it? Well, yes, but the amount of people wanting to get in on softball, I'm, I'm all about it. I'm here for it. And But it is a whole new world. A whole segment of a weather forecast. All right, hey, welcome back. Here's the weather. <laughs> I'll be giving dew points and stuff like that in a 30-minute pregame Just show. gives you an opportunity to maybe run and, you know, yeah. a longer interview segment. And, That's true. And, and get a little more creative that, Maybe stuff. two segments with Coach. Yeah. All right, quick break. When we come back, we will chat with DJ Sanchez. Talk a little Sooner softball in depth next. All right, welcome back into the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. More from availability yesterday. We've continued with the Trey Morrison conversation. A lot of you guys checking in on Twitter uh, at Plank Show at Josh on Ref and the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405 651 3439. Right now, we hit up the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line to say hello to our good friend DJ Sanchez, the pride of Roxana High School. What's going on, DJ? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Plank? I'm good. It's still kind of wild. Like, your dad was a Wood River Oiler. My yes. mom and dad were Roxana Shells. You yes. went to Roxana. I went to Wood River. It just doesn't yep. make any sense. How did this I'll happen? I'll let the people decide which are the better of the two. Well, for those who don't know, these are the metropolis <laughs> cities. Some people say St. Louis, um, but we're truly talking about Roxana and East Alton, Wood River High, the 618. That's what really matters. Uh, good to have you on. Uh, I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy with work, so let's just start right out of the gate. This weekend, we had a chance to see a pretty confusing Sunday, right? What, what in your opinion – led to Orm having so much success against Oklahoma when she had been lit up the previous two times they faced her. Yeah, I tell you what, that's not something you see very often. You don't see a pitcher who legitimately gives up, gets run within the first two innings, and then comes back and one hits the Sooners going into the seventh inning. I mean, it's it's unheard of. And But she was just, her spots were ridiculous. And now I think she got a little bit of help from some undisciplined at-bats sometimes from the Sooners, but she was throwing pitches that were pitchers' pitches. She was working off the plate, and typically we see the Sooners take those pitches, and in turn we see walks. Um, or, just like Orm earlier in, the, earlier in the season when she had faced OU, got, got lit up pretty easily because she had to come back on the plate, and she didn't have to do that on Sunday. Mm. And almost <laughs> – we were – Obviously, debriefing after the game, it sounds crazy. It's almost like she developed that changeup that she hadn't had throughout the entire weekend. She, I was yet to see her change speeds, and I think we even talked about it at the beginning of the game of what is she going to have to do to be successful, and I'm pretty sure we said she has to change speeds. And we saw her do that, but it wasn't a distinct changeup. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a fastball speed, changeup speed. She was mixing and taking five or six miles an hour off of her velocity pitches and then having a, a larger change of speed. So she just had she had the Sooners fooled and their timing was distorted and you could see it. How well is it though you still see a team that had some of the struggles that they had and they still find a way to win the game? It's incredible. 
It is. And here, good teams find a way to win. Great teams find a way to win with two outs in the seventh inning. I mean, <laughs> how often do you see somebody come back and win a ball game when you're literally down to your final swing of the bat? And that game very well could have been called over. Um, if a play goes a different way, but just the response and the way that Kinsey Hansen came up big time and got that got the Sooners rolling with two outs. Okay, full disclosure, Josh, um, D, with DJ Sanchez hanging out with us, I have completely nerded out on trying to learn as much as I can this year about illegal pitches, and part of the reason is because we saw Jordy Ball get called for it. A couple of times early in the season, and I feel like in that too, we've seen coaches and opposing fans constantly crying for more calls against her, but it hasn't had it. As you've started to research it, and obviously you've been asked about it a lot. Sorry, what have you seen? What's kind of stood out? And an adjustment has obviously been made because she hasn't mm-hmm. been called for it, but maybe like one time since the opening weekend of the season. Yeah, it's, it's been a hot topic, and I was watching and some of the things I've seen on social media and with what people are saying about the role and, and this idea of Jordy Ball being illegal. I'm going I'm to preface this with I don't feel she is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, neither do umpires, apparently, because she's not being called. So <laughs> I think that's the most important thing to put out there. But there's been an adjustment, but I don't really, I truly don't think that there was an adjustment that needed to be made. Um, when you've got some adrenaline going in the way that she throws, she is a very powerful pitcher and she uses her legs. You get told every little girl who is pitching right now is being told by her pitching coach, you have to use your legs. And she does it well. Now, let's also not forget either that Jordy Ball is not 6'2. Right. And this idea of gliding out off of the rubber is, is not how she was taught to throw. It's not how she is able to throw. And I think if people were expecting to see this glide out and going up over her front toe, it's not realistic. It's not realistic for any pitcher, for that matter, um, you know, unless you have these long lovers in her 6'1 plus. And those, we don't see that very often. But. I think there was some adjustment, but I think a lot of it was just simply adrenaline and staying staying within herself a little bit more and not letting that foot get a little bit turned sideways here and there. But I don't see a legality issue myself. Here's here's what I've done, and I so I stopped bugging Coach Rocha about this because I think she was gonna <laughs> she was gonna throw me. But I talked to a couple of umpires, and they said part of the frustration is the rule is different at every level. What's illegal. Yep. In or what's legal in travel ball is illegal in college. And what might be viewed as legal in the national game might be illegal in college and in travel ball. Why isn't there a consistent kind of theme to what's illegal and what isn't? Is it really that big of a difference in your opinion? You know, here's something in the state of Oklahoma that drives me insane. Um, High school softball in the state of Oklahoma, a pitcher is allowed to take a step back and then pitch. There is no other level in which that is legal. And, you know, you can have the conversation of, is there an advantage being gained or not? Regardless of the advantage, it's teaching pitchers to do something that is not legal in any other realm of softball, summer ball, any of it. Um, You cannot take a a step back. Um, You know, so I think there needs to be consistency 
But in the same token, I mean, the rule reads um, that if there is not another push off, and this is the NCAA rulebook reads, that if there's not another push with the foot, it's not technically even considered a leap or a replant or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, so if there's a drag, even if there is a, a moment where the toe is pointed down and you can have conversations about seeing air underneath the toe or not seeing air, I'd like to see a lot of people do that in live motion coming off of a pitcher. <laughs> but if there's not a replant and a re um, pushing off of the ground, I mean, that's, that's laid out pretty, pretty blatant in the rule book. But mm. yeah, I think there needs to be consistency. All right, uh, enough of this. Let's talk about the pitchers. Uh, DJ yes. Sanchez is with us. So there's a lot on Jordy Ball, but as a pitcher, that was your first chance to really see her in person this week. And what kind of stood out in your opinion? You know, it's just there's this amazing amount of confidence. She is confident. She does not look like a young pitcher, and and you can just feel the energy. And it's across the entire the entire pitching staff. The pitching staff just looks confident and it's hard not to be confident when you know you're getting this this these enormous video game type of runs being scored for you it's ridiculous but um there's just this immense amount of swagger for lack of a better word and but what each of these pitchers are doing really well is no one looks comfortable in the box i'm yet to see a team get in and look comfortable and it's because the pitch sequence is there the movement they're changing speeds it's not a if we can zone off the rise ball, then we can go after another pitch because they're going to come at you with something else, and it's pretty awesome. What is it that you see in Nicole May? Uh, I think, what, have you seen her in person twice now? Um, mm-hmm. But we were, I mean, you and I did just about every game from the Super Regional, Regional on together. It just, I, I really felt like we saw her grow up, find another level in the Super Regional. Sooners needed G. Warris to be G. Warris to win the title. But then Nicole May was almost as if the World Series was a really good learning experience for her about that next level she has to find. Are you, you sensing her continuing to take those next steps? I am. I mean, she looked really good on Saturday. I think the best way I can kind of relate it is there were times last year she looked like a thrower. Right. And she would go out and she would throw pitches, and you can see the talent. You can see, you can see all of the tools and everything she has. Come, come postseason, she was a pitcher. And she had a different demeanor about herself. She had a game plan, and you could see it unfold. It wasn't so much about, okay, I'm going to try to move this pitch. I'm going to try to blow this pitch by somebody. Um, you could see the confidence in her pitches and trusting what she was doing um, and hitting spots and letting her pitches work for her. And I feel like that's the biggest thing I have seen as far as her growth. She's not trying so hard to throw a pitch. She's letting her pitches work. And with that in mind, when we first heard that Hope Troutwine was coming to Oklahoma, the first thought was, okay, there's an adjustment that has to be made, right? She's going to have to continue Mm -hmm. to move around. You scouted her. I mean, you played against her. What have you seen different in Hope Troutwine in the Crimson and Cream? You know, kind of the same thing. And I think part of it, too, and this is is in no way a knock on – on her previous team, because what a what a tremendous program she came from. She went North Texas and everything that they have done there with that program. But you can, I think that there's a little bit of a. It looks almost like a release. Like she is not 
And when you're getting runs scored for you like that, you don't have that feeling sometimes of, okay, I better hold this team to one or two runs to make sure that we keep ourselves in the game. I, I truly believe that that has a little bit to do with it. But um, something she did really well Sunday was just working outside of the zone. It was those Baylor hitters looked, some of their at-bats were really rough simply because they were swinging at pitches up over their head. They were swinging at pitches in the other batter's box. And it wasn't because of just sheer undiscipline. But, I mean, she was throwing pitches that were breaking and looked like strikes on the plate. And then when they were being caught by Hanson or Elam, they were, they were a good, solid kind of going, that's not even close to the plate. Um, so it's just she has a ton of movement, and it's filthy. But she's throwing pitches that when they're crossing the batter's box, they look like strikes. And when they're leaving, they are not anywhere close. Yeah, that's, that's exciting to hear. That's exciting to hear. All right, uh, I'll let you go on this. When you think about DJ Sanchez, DJ Mathis, Dylan Mathis, and what <laughs> she experienced as a player, where have you this, – just this program in general, right? Where have you seen the biggest growth in this program now as you watch it as – a coach yourself, as as someone who is a proud alum, who stays in touch with some of her former teammates and talks a lot with the, the, the current players, you coached against some of these players. What is it like for you to see where this program is now? And what's the biggest change, in your opinion? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Man, um, you know, there is this, and, and this gets thrown a lot around a lot in – in athletics and just in programs in general. And when people are getting recruited, you hear that, well, family atmosphere. It's a family atmosphere. You know, you you hear it every time someone's getting recruited. And it's one thing to say it, and it's one thing to actually live it and and do it. And to say, yeah, we we care about each other, we do things. But there's just such a a feeling of of camaraderie and what goes on off, off the field. And, you know, I think that that has always been there, but you can see it all the way down into people who aren't there every day, who are a part of the program, who are a part of the athletic department. Um, there is this, this feeling amongst players and within the coaching staff. It's just a comfortability um, of saying, listen, things are going to be great sometimes and things are not going to be so hot sometimes, but we're in this together and we're going to stay consistent and, and you can just feel it. There is there's a different type of culture that has kind of emerged, and and winning obviously helps with culture. But even when you're winning, things aren't always sunshine and rainbows. And I think people forget that sometimes. So it takes it takes a lot to keep a team um, who has such high standards um, with each other and and being genuine with each other. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Oh man. That's awesome stuff. DJ, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm glad I finally got you on. Shouts out Thank to your you. pops. Appreciate him yes. tuning in. He's awesome. Um, and so are you. He listens every day. Oh, does he? That's what I'm talking about. Yep. Oilers, we got to stick together. <laughs> All right, thanks, DJ. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. See you soon. All right, later. DJ Sanchez. I think that's worthy of running it back a few times with her. You can hear on the Diamond Envy podcast as well with Tyler McComas. Really good for softball fans. You get a lot of options out there, and it's fun. Um, I'm I'm out on the concourse for the first time this season, Josh. How about that? Pretty exciting. Let's go. I haven't been out on the concourse this season. I've been spoiled. I've been living the spoiled life up in the booth. 
Quick break. Wrap up hour to get you ready for the top five stories the day next. So, two minutes here, right? Perfect. I got a perfect two-minute story. You ready? Saw the story about the Bills getting a new stadium. They finally got it figured out. It's like it's going to stay in Orchard Park. But Kevin Clark this morning reports that Kansas City Chiefs president Mark Donovan says the team has considered options for a new stadium in the state of Kansas. They like Arrowhead and the legacy of Lamar Hunt Stadium, but have been pitched by Kansas developers on a bunch of different options. Something to watch. Thoughts? Yeah, the idea of them not playing at Arrowhead Stadium is tough for me to stomach. I get bright and shiny, new stadium, all of those things. Just renovate Arrowhead. Never move. Uh, by the way, this is kind of funny. The first comment, because you know me, I live in the comments. First reply, if they move to Kansas, there will legit- legitimately be riots. The very next comment, I'm just now learning that Kansas City isn't in Kansas. Surprise. Surprise! It's all there together. It's kind of like Wood River and St. Louis. It's all considered as one. Right on the border of Illinois and Missouri. That's kind of right on the border of Missouri and Kansas. It's okay. Former President Trump didn't know either. He so. had a few problems with that, too. I think, you know what would be cool in Kansas City? What Josh just said. Just renovate what you got. That's a cool area. Egress, move, egress is easy. You can move the Royals if you want. Yeah. Don't move the Chiefs. All right, quick break. Top five next.